features. Some might call it supplemental material, but it's so much more than that. It's the portion of Secret Handshake where we talk to writers, directors, actors, critics, academics, and flat-out film freaks about the movies they love to get a deeper perspective. I'm your host, Jacob Knight, and this week we're talking with Bobby Miller, writer-director of The Cleanse and Critter's Attack, but who's also become a solid pal that I've formed a bond with online just through talking about movies. Often, Bobby and I would simply chit-chat on Twitter about horror movies, particularly slashers in general, so I thought who better to bring on the show during our week highlighting body count pictures. To narrow it down a bit, we discussed the Friday the 13th series, as he selected Jason Lives, as a jumping-off point to analyze the series as a whole. Anyway, enough intro, here's me and Bobby talking all things Jason Voorhees. So... We're here today to talk about slasher movies, more specifically Friday the 13th movies, and even more specifically than that, Jason Lives, uh, Friday the 13th Part 6, which is your pick. Um, yes. And I'm curious. I mean, I love the movie, but I want to hear uh, from you, like, why Part 6? Well, it's funny. Um Hold on, is this is this like Mark Marin? You're already recording? Yeah. Oh, holy I just jumped right into it. Holy there's shit. No, there's no intro. Like I just we just talk. I oh record intro. Like- well, you can cut all that earlier. Anyway, um, so here's the here's the funny thing is my knowledge, it's not deep on slashers. In fact, I think I hit you up on Twitter. You did. Uh, I was looking for certain slashers because I I got attached to this horror comedy that is filled with kills in there and uh, a couple months ago. And so I revisited all the Friday the 13th movies. And this one to me just like jumped out. And part of this for me was like wanting to figure out why it f- jumps out to me. I think right. there's something to do with the sense of humor. I think there's something to do with, there's these weird touches in the movie that are almost like throwback to old horror films, like leaves blowing in and wind and lightning strikes. And, and the fact that he's undead in this one and like unstoppable, I think it's the first time in the series that he's like that. Yes. This is the, the first appearance of zombie Jason zombie. Yeah. So there was, so I'm like, I literally have a notebook and I'm looking through all, you know, doing, watching all these movies and trying to figure out what makes a great slasher movie and what makes an entertaining one. And this is the one of the whole series, other than maybe um, four, 
where I was like, I think this is the one. I think this has some sort of secret sauce in it. Um, and that's why I wanted to talk about it. Because I want to figure it out. Okay. Well, Sorry, I just sprung that on you. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> um, because I've actually been thinking about it since you uh, picked it. And I mean, it's honestly like a perfect time to pick this movie because we just had the new Blu-ray box set come out. Everybody's sharing their Friday the 13th rankings online. We're what, two days away from Halloween. So I watch all of these movies anyway. It's either, I almost pick like one of these series per Halloween season. It's like one year it'll be Halloween. The other year it'll be Nightmare on Elm Street. And this year it's just Jason because... Shout Factory was like, well, boom, here's like the the crown jewel of like the Blu-ray releases this year. Um, I think there's something interesting happening here, right? Because you're six movies in to a series that ostensibly was started as a ripoff, like is and is even admitted to by like Cunningham. uh, You know, calling Victor Miller and being like, hey, Halloween's making a bunch of money. Let's rip it off. Right. Didn't they literally just put out an ad in Variety or something that was like Friday the 13th? Yeah, it's going to be the fucking movie of all time. And, you know, and that was before they even knew what the movie was about. But it's like, so you have these kind of first four, very, or first five. But I, I think that there's there's four here because you have... Mama Jason in one, or, you know, Mrs. Voorhees in one, which is like the big twist at the end. And then you have the introduction of Jason in two. Then he gets his mask in three. Then he dies in four. And four is arriving. There's something interesting happening because four is arriving right at the end of like what we call, you know, the, the I guess, first wave of like the slasher boom. Like it's dying at that point, you know, right. of like domestic box office and stuff but um five is the one that everybody hates because it's uh-huh. <laughs> you know it's fake jason yeah. and all the the kids at the, the the halfway home um and then six is clearly they're like well how do we bring him what do we do but i think to answer your question why it's stands out is because it's the first one that feels actually directed for a while, yeah. <laughs> because it's like I was, I I was like, I hope it's not that's not the answer, because I was watching it again today, and I was like, is this really as simple as it? It's like it's just directed. <laughs> yeah, well, and like McLaughlin also helped write the movie, um, and his only movie up to this point was One Dark Night, which is more of like a let's see, youth or YA uh, targeted. A horror movie from like 1982 um, that still goes very dark and has a sense of humor about it and stuff. But like, you know, he's the first one to come in who's, I don't want to say an actual filmmaker because obviously all these guys, you know, directed movies and stuff. But, you know, you had Cunningham who was like a straight up exploitation and former porno guy. Right. And then. <laughs> Miner was like, you know, Steve Miner, who did two, was essentially like an assistant who they handed the franchise off to after that. And then four is actually, uh, you know, Joe Zito, who does the Prowler, 
So he's actually made slasher movies before. But when you watch four, which I just watched four before we we jumped on the on Skype here, is that you watch four and four is almost like the perfect distillation of like what the 80s slasher movie is. It's just like no bullshit. Here's kids. Here's a, a former campsite. Here's Jason. Let's just they're all going to get horny and then we're going to fucking kill them. Right. That's right. it. That's the movie. And it's great because it's, you know, they bring Savini back and it's all this gore and it, you know, the mask actually comes off and you have Corey Feldman as Tommy Jarvis for the first time. And it, it's just, it works. But after that one, I, I think something interesting happens too, is that in 84, you also have Nightmare on Elm Street that comes out and then the slasher movie kind of changes. And Jason Lives feels like it's trying to chase that idea a bit to where it's like, okay, well, we've done all this. We had, you know, a fifth, you know, the number five is like almost completely rejected by fans. Like, what do we do to almost keep up with the times? Because like this wave of slasher movies is dying. And what do we do? We make it funny. Yeah. (laughs) And I I mean, I wonder, is there, there's kind of a, 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 well, because up to this point, there hasn't been that type of humor in the series, right? I mean, other than like Crispin Glover's weird dancing, or you know what I mean, but nothing purposely. Like Isn't the legend that like Glover's dancing is almost like incidental humor because it was literally a dance that he was going out to clubs and doing at the time, and oh, he really? just did it in the scene, and people were like, "Oh, well, I guess." This is a thing that's happening. Like right. those action shots are like genuine, or you know, again, this might be apocryphal, but are genuine because they're like, what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is that? Yeah, what what's happening here? But yeah. no, I mean, I think you are right in that it's the first one that has this like uh, legitimate humor going on, and it was written to be funny because. You know, Freddie is not too far off from being a, a quit machine, you know? Yeah. And throwing out puns and it's, stuff. So. It's also a very fine line, too, because you have great gags. Like, I love when Jason, uh, he's got the machete in the hand. The whole arm is still attached to it, and he just kind of looks at it like an animal. There's, like, these kind of funny, odd moments, but they're not... Like I don't think of this movie as campy, like no. I, I, because he's a legitimate horror threat that and and the gore is real. You know, there's just some a, a kind of a a wavelength that rides that I just find really appealing. And that also brings me to handling kills and what makes like what makes an effective kill in a movie and why. And, and it, does it have something to do with the cut point? Like, you cut at the most visceral, gnarly, sound, crunchy moment? Sure. Um, that feels right. Like, the sequence in the bus where um, Jason shoves that girl through the <laughs> through the, uh, the wall, and it, there's a shot of her, like, face imprinting into yeah. the metal. And he I'm just like... Her. Right. Like, that sort of stuff I don't recall was ever in a Jason movie up to that point. And to me, it 
it and even the vibe of it because that i i think like they're shooting it's super cramped in the bathroom stall and kind of gnarly and raw and then it cuts to the guy singing along and saying what's going on you're taking a dump you know like that contrast again i think is really interesting and fun about this movie and why i think that's the one i'd put on first um yeah well you even brought up final chapter though so mm -hmm. like to being like what are these uh, i don't want to put words in your mouth but essentially are these like the ultimate friday movies is that where you're going with it i don't i see i i'm very curious what other people are saying because i'm i'm not clued in on because you just said there was all these going out so yeah. i'd be curious to know in a couple minutes what the fan favorites are but for me um that four also has these these i don't know for lack of a better word like visceral kills and kind of knows when to mm -hmm. um and has there is playful stuff like isn't crispin glover's doesn't he have a line before he gets killed um where's the fucking corkscrew right yeah. there's shit like that where it's like all right i'm having a good time <laughs> you know what i, I mean <laughs> they're definitely self-aware but like to your point like the kills and six there's a goofiness to some of them and like to where like you know in in final chapter it goes so grim during like the final 20 minutes to where like you know you have the the brother character who's coming in and he's essentially hunting jason because he killed his sister was one of the victims in the previous movies and stuff but like his death is so stark and awful in the basement where he's <laughs> yeah. literally getting hacked with like a garden claw and he's just screaming he's killing me like over and over again which always struck me as kind of ridiculous because like i don't know about you but if somebody's stabbing me i don't think i'm gonna yell over and over again he's <laughs> killing me like i'm gonna attempt because that guy's a big guy like yeah. I, I felt like he might have at least could have landed a punch on Jason or something. Instead, he's just kind of screaming like a bitch the entire <laughs> time. But it's such he's killing me. Yeah, like like do something about it, I guess. You know, but um, it, that's kind of the difference. Is there is almost a jokiness to like the Crispin Glover death, and then like obviously like you know the his one obnoxious buddy gets stabbed through the. 16 millimeter projection screen uh while watching those old stag pornos which also was a, a question i always had is like did, who just stashed these stag pornos in this yeah. old cabin but like so there is a funniness to it but like you know you never had characters quite like the corporate paintballers yeah you know and who get triple decapitated because it's funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Or the uh, kind of alcoholic old man guy. I, I keep both times I watched it um, this past week. Uh, he, and he says fart head. And yeah. I'm like, what a choice that is. Yeah. Or I was like, this is a filmmaker here. There's, yeah. He's making choices. This old man is saying fart head. 
Well, that like is he, a choice. He, uh, he breaks the fourth wall at the one point, too. And he yeah. lo- looks at you and goes, some people have a strange sense of entertainment. So, like, at this point, they're but kind of... But it doesn't fall apart, though. I mean, that's, oh, yeah. to me, the magic trick of the movie is, like, it doesn't... At no point am I like, Jason's not scary. No. Like, Jason is scary. And to yeah. me, that's, like, that's there's something special about that. Which is kind of a an interesting discussion to have too, because you have, I believe this is the, the stunt performer who plays him is a guy named CJ Graham. I would have to look it up. I think this is his only go as Jason. And then you're, because you're literally right before part seven, which is where Kane Hodder comes in. And he's the one that every, but like every fan basically says is the best Jason, despite being in the worst movies. Right. (laughs) But his Jason's really good because he kind of is almost single minded in terms of being like a killing machine. Like he to your point, like the movie around him is funny, but he never loses sight of like, I love murdering people. Right. He's like this (laughs) shark. Good at it. Yeah, Yeah. that's a good way to put it. He's just constantly moving. (laughs) wanting to kill people and then there's also something that was i felt like in a straight comedy they would have carried it on a few more beats where towards the end i think it's like the sheriff character who like tries to shoot him and he keeps rolling yeah (laughs) like he can't kill him and i'm like you know if this was if they were milking that for comedy that just would have gone on for like 10 minutes no not 10 minutes but very long where he just keeps rolling and he keeps shooting and it's like why isn't this guy dying but like it's just again it's like just on the edge of like that's kind of funny that he's just rolling over and over and not dying um this thing's filled with things like that though i I feel like just just um you know yeah but it's I think it also helps that they're actual characters in this movie too. Yeah. Where again they're not just archetypes of like here's a bunch of horny kids in the woods. Like you just bring up the sheriff. I always thought it was interesting that like the sheriff is kind of an asshole. Yeah. Because, you know, he's confronted with Tommy Jarvis because you're at the third Tommy Jarvis movie at this point. He's completely out of his mind. I mean, he literally attacks Jason's corpse and is kind of responsible for bringing him back to life because he couldn't keep his like rage boner down the entire time. He's like, I'm going to stab this guy and then the lightning's going to strike and it's going to resurrect Jason. And you know, now we're all fucked again. But like, um, you know, you have this, who is confronted with this maniac and is trying to keep him at bay and then his daughter falls for him too which i always thought was a weird wrinkle in this one because it was it's mclaughlin actually writing a script that's like well what if tommy has a love interest like he's no longer the weird kid with the masks anymore or the borderline serial killer from part five And, like, what if he, you know, has this girl who's really into, like, this guy who's hunting this undead serial killer? (laughs) And But by the end, you know, the the sheriff who has the best death scene when Jason essentially breaks him in half, 
uh, he gives himself up. Like he sacrifices himself to keep the kids safe, which is yeah. a, like that's a character arc. Yeah, yeah. Movie. <laughs> I know. That's what I. Well, and I'm also curious. I mean, I don't. I'm assuming because, like you said, there was such blowback from the movie before that. I mean, I I just wonder if like they gave this director. I mean, I don't see another writer credit. Like it's just a writer director. Like did they just say, just do your thing? Like I'm very curious to know like how what the process was and like if he had the freedom because it seems like they were like we just need someone with a good idea and just go and do your thing because it doesn't feel um like there's a bunch of competing voices in this or 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 something yeah nor does it feel anonymous like yeah five like it's just like clearly gun for hire work for these these low budget guys who just come in and essentially shoot a lot of it like a porno almost to where it's right. like here's the kids, here's the nudity and the kills or essentially the fucking for lack of a better term. But it's like this guy, like, you know, McLaughlin comes in and he's like, you know, what would be cool. What if we did a parody of the, the bond openings where Jason Oh yeah. I can't did- believe we didn't talk about that yet. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing that it <laughs> keeps cutting in onto his eyes and then there's like james bond thing in his eyeball like that's i knew it's funny when that happened the the opening sequence when i was watching them all together and revisiting everything i was just like this i i just felt like this was going to be the one and 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 for me it almost felt in my mind because i had watched them all obviously growing up I haven't that's seen him in a long time. What was that? I was, I, that's what I was going to ask you next. Like, when did you first, like, watch a Friday the 13th movie the first time? I was young, but, like, not, you know, it was, like, high school young. Because my, my whole thing was, like, I got into, like, gateway horror, I call it. Like, Beetlejuice and Gremlins and stuff that was, like not slasher movies so it wasn't until later on and then i hadn't really revisited the friday the 13th movies in forever and so when i watched them recently i just by the time i got to six and that first sequence and then the james bond thing i was like i think this is the one that i like the Mm -hmm. most just like immediate just the whole sensibility just even like opening up the coffin and the maggots and just like the feeling of it. Um, I just felt like I was in different hands and like, this was the ride that I was going to enjoy the most. And I was right. Yeah. (laughs) I think there's also an interesting pacing thing that happens with six. Um, because like the first, even up till five, like the structure of the movies are kind of identical to where it's like you meet the kids they, they you, we establish some time. Jason or Mrs. Voorhees, obviously, in the first one, you know, they're kind of in the background. They're picking one or two off in this very Bava or Agatha Christie, and then there were none type of style. And then it all leads up to like a final, like, you know, 20, 30 minutes of like, boom, boom, boom. He just goes on a rampage, kills everybody. There's a final girl. 
and then, you know, Jason's defeated and then it's over. We're like six. You kind of come out the gate feeling like this movie was fired out of a cannon a little bit. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's Tommy going to dispose of his corpse and then resurrects him. And I think for the first time in the franchise's history, you actually have somebody actively move, like actively basically coming back to where Jason is headed to warn people and be like, everybody, this is going to happen. And then you, you get into the whole dynamic between him and the sheriff of being like, no, like obviously the sheriff doesn't believe him. Tommy's probably a psycho. Uh, and then you have all the stuff with the daughter and everything. So this one has a weird, as a pacing thing to where it always feels like it's perpetually moving forward where the first five are kind of languid in the beginning kind of just hang out with them at first you get to see crispin glover dance you know (laughs) or like uh amy Steele go and drink beers with the other counselors oh yeah yeah in number two and like there's none of there's really none of that in this one i guess unless you count like the paintballers which is the only real left field like sequence so but short-lived i mean not not as they're not stretching that that like they do in the other ones. Like it's it still has a pace. I feel like. Yeah, it almost feels like he had the script and was like, "Oh shit, I have this story, but I don't have anybody to kill it first. Mm-hmm. I just enter right. corporate retreat and just have Jason kill a bunch of paintballers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> how do we how do we get some more? We gotta up the body count a bit. Yeah. But um, I think the other thing that this movie, too, does weird that we haven't really touched on is that it's the first movie to have actual kids in it. Mm-hmm. Because, like, everyone before is there are always counselors, like, setting up the camp. Yeah. Everyone has kids that it seems like if the counselors didn't get in the way, like, Jason was going to murder some kids. Yeah. That's <laughs> scary. Yeah. <laughs> And that's what makes it scary, as you were saying, like, if you saw this movie as a kid, which I did at, like, a sleepover or something for the first time, um, you actually had characters to identify with. Yeah. And there's, and again, there's, like, these little, they just feel iconic to me of, like, when they're, they're inside of the camp with the kids, and there's, like, a shot of the window... And I forget whose body he has over his shoulder, but it just it, it just feels very universal monsters or something. There's something just iconic about some of the stuff in here to the point where if I watched this movie blind without seeing the other ones, I would have been like, oh, this must be like what the entire series is. Right. Yeah. But really, it, it crystallizes here. Um the way that you think about Jason now, I feel like it it's this movie. Yeah. It's sort of like how, um, to kind of bounce off of your, com- your comparison or your like saying that it crystallized. It's, it's almost like if you were to see nightmare on Elm street three or four first where Freddie's already telling jokes and like, yeah. uh, it's particularly four, but we like three. He even has kind of that dark sense of gallows humor, and then you would sit there and go, "Oh, 
this is what Freddy's like. This right. is what the monster is. And then you actually go back and watch one and well, two as well is a totally different animal, but like it's, it, that isn't the case. It's like somebody actually came and like figured the series out. Right. So, so where let's go to rankings since you okay. were curious about rankings. Where, yeah, yeah. This is number one for you. Yeah. What's I'm, the bottom? I mean, for me, it's either X or goes to hell. Really? Yeah. All right. That's so. A- tell me, tell me more. I want to know what the consensus. Because I, I don't know what I'm talking. I'm flying blind up in here, people. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Well, I go with. I usually go with seven. Seven's just so boring. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, it is so boring. You know, wait, that's the one directed by the effects. Um, I'm blanking on his name, right? John Carl Buschler. Yeah, is yeah. that the one? Yeah. I was. I again, I was like so shocked by that movie. Like again, coming in and having not seen it since high school, I was like shocked by that movie that it wasn't good. Yeah. Because I. I know all this guy's effects work and it was like neutered. The whole movie just felt there was no really great gore. I mean, the whole, I was just kind of shocked by that movie. I, I feel that one is what I'm saying. Yeah. I hear you. Well, that was the one that was taken kind of out of his hands a bit because the MPAA, like, Oh, because I didn't know that. Yeah. There was a whole thing like on the first, because this Shout Factory box set, I believe, is, like, the third or fourth time I've bought the whole series. But, like, back when I was in high school or maybe early college, they had a DVD set that came out that had all of the gore and uh, that they had basically discovered on, like, VHS tapes and stuff and you could watch. And it was very shoddy footage. Um, but, like... You could actually see, like, he had shot a bunch of that shit, and it was pretty gnarly, but, like, the MPAA just... It was when they were really coming down, particularly on slasher movies and horror in general, is that every kill in that is a cutaway. It's, yeah. like, even the one where he takes, like, the circular, like, buzzsaw, I believe it's to, like, the, the therapist at that point. It just... But isn't it still rated R, too? yeah. See, that's what's crazy to me is that it's still rated R and, and it's all these cutaways. Yeah. I don't Plus, know. you have Carrie versus Jason. Like, how yeah. is that movie not awesome? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you only really get for like the last couple minutes. You're like, and she makes like a gas can explode. And you're like, I guess they ran out of money. <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, cool. Yeah. Then yeah. her. Zombie dad comes out and attacks Jason. You're like, what the fuck is happening? I don't even. I I saw that movie on 35 millimeter, like last year or the year before, and it was my final. It's it's the one I've always hate. One of the the, the main movies throughout my entire life that I've hate watched the most. Yeah. I'll always revisit it like every other year and be like, maybe this is the time where I find something to like about it. And I finally watched it on 35 like a year or two ago, whenever it played here in Austin. And like, I, I even said going in, I was like, if I don't like it this time, that's it. You're never watching it again. 
And I sat there and by, and it literally, the lights came up at the end. I went, yep, got up and just left. And I yeah. was like, <laughs> not, not, not this time either. So wait, which ones do you, is it Manhattan? Which ones do you like that? And what else are you at your bottom then? Oh, Manhattan's not, I like Manhattan. You I do. De- I defend Manhattan with my soul. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> Because I, I know that it's generally agreed upon that it's terrible, but me and Brian Collins, uh, back when we both worked at BMD, we were the the uh, crusaders for Jason Takes Manhattan. Because I think it's not good. It it suffers from some of the same stuff that like Seven suffers from, and that like you can see the MPAA kind of took a hatchet to that one too a bit. That one still at least has the cool um like head punching death at the yeah end. you're right you're uh, right but it also suffers from the the thing that seven suffers from in terms of like here's a great premise you hear mm-hmm. he takes manhattan and you're like oh shit he's gonna fuck like that whole city up and you get a cruise ship that somehow it you know, obviously the the big mystery of that one is like, how did you get from a lake to the Hudson? <laughs> I guess there was an inlet somewhere, but like, um, you know, you only get that for 20 minutes. And even when like he's in Manhattan, like there's setups to where you're like, this could be awesome. Like put when they put Jason on a subway car. I know. And yeah. he just walks through it and like ignores everybody. And you're like, but kill all of those people (laughs) like who cares about that guy just killed killed we can take a break yeah like 83 minutes long we can have three more where you just slaughter a subway tube full of human beings you can stretch this we're good guys yeah (laughs) i think you you know what else the thing is because isn't the title sequence in manhattan like the beginning of the that's the thing too is it's like they're even putting it in your face, like this could be the movie, <laughs> and then they don't. And it even has that weird hair rock, uh, like title song that I really like, but it has like this weird like spoken word intro where it's like, "And the city at night comes out," and it's like shots of rats and fucking. Exactly. I'm so on board for that. Give me yep. New York City rats and smoke, and I'm in. Yeah, I just I want to live in it. Yeah, <laughs> just. <laughs> Spread me in that filth. But I think uh, if it was bottom for me, it would be seven. Uh, Jason Goes to Hell would be towards the bottom as well. I don't like three. Three is my other wild card pick to where like a lot of people like three. Um, And I've even gotten to see it on old silver screen 3D and like – other than that experience, I just can't rewatch that movie at all. I find it incessant. I'm, I'm looking at my because I I put little number rankings. I also did not like this one. Yeah, <laughs> the hillbillies are obnoxious in it. Like it's it's the part I can't get past when they're like shrieking and he kills somebody in an outhouse and I'm like this is just gross at this point. Like I don't know, guys. I. Th- I wrote, the best part about this is the weird, almost dance beat opening and closing theme. Yeah, the disco theme. Like, that that was rad. <laughs> yeah. 
And like in 3D, those like titles just come shooting out at you and you're like, oh shit, this is going to be the best thing ever. And it was clearly shot with like the old school gimmicky 3D to where it's like pointy things are coming out at you and like the eyeball gouge like comes flying at the screen and stuff. And like in actual 3D, that looks great. But when you're watching it just like in your living room at three o'clock on a Wednesday, it doesn't really work. No, it doesn't. (laughs) So, um, those are towards the bottom. And I mean, in the top, let's see, what's top three for you? So you got these two and what would be the third? Oh boy. That becomes harder for me. Let me see here. Let me take a look at the list. Well, you get into the middle and some of them become interchangeable. You're just kind of like, ah, I like this, but is it really better than... <laughs> I mean, what are we, are we considering um freddie versus jason in the mix of this oh yeah i mean am i an asshole for saying that's probably it you really like towards the top i mean after um, we're talking three yeah okay Make i mean what freddie versus jason no i would I, I don't know i'm just <laughs> i would i mean what what would be three for you four six and two yeah, I don't know. I think like just dumb entertainment. You know, it's like it's like this. How many times have you seen the you done the Criterion sale and then there's a Shout Factory sale and like you reach for the Shout Factory more than the you know, like there's some stuff that's sitting on my shelf that I like I feel like in a pinch. You just gun to my head. Life. I'm gonna grab Freddy versus Jason over too. Yeah. Yeah. There, I said it. Exclusive. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not criticizing you because I'm the guy who saw Freddy versus Jason in the theater that I worked at at the time three times on opening day. Yeah. So, like, I that movie, I just wanted hooked in, into my veins through like an IV when it first came out. Like, I was the guy wearing the band T-shirt to the actual concert, because I think I even wore a Crystal Lake shirt to it. Like, I was ready. And I like it, because I like Ronnie Yu doing, like, uh, Hong Kong-style violence, especially towards the end, where, like, you know, they almost do pro wrestling moves on each other. Yeah. (laughs) It's been a while since I've revisited it, but I, I distinctly remember, like, Freddie DDTing Jason at one point. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? Hey, this doesn't You even... don't get that until also there's no Freddie until <laughs> No, there there isn't. That's for sure. Wait, there's no J I mean, there's no cool Jason until. Well but are we in ba- bag over his head, Jason until? Yeah. Yeah, no thanks. Really? Yeah. Get I that like bag out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Is this like sacrilege? I don't. I have no concept. Sacrilege to be like fuck the baghead. <laughs> I I kind of I you know what I think it is for some people, but at this point I'm just into it. Throw <laughs> as much sacrilege as you want out there. It's no fun to agree with everybody. <laughs> I yeah I know, but I mean you know I when I was watching it at first like there is like. For me, there is a pleasure in like the gritty early ones, for sure. And it feels different than the later ones. 
But for me personally, just what I'm going to put on, it's probably going to be Freddy versus Jason over the baghead ones or the, you know, or the the pre-mask ones. Sure. Like, well, and that's the big, if we're going to throw sacrilege out there, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I think the first movie beyond its like, let's say placeholder or iconic status within horror, not a rewatchable movie, kind of boring. Yeah. You know, like it's you, especially when you know the twist ending, it's not one of those. It's not like the sixth sense. There wasn't a whole lot of storytelling going on where you can go back and revisit. And you're like, do I really feel with Mrs. Voorhees right now? Do I like understand her pain? It's like, no, she's a maniac. Yeah. (laughs) There's none of that. But it's like that movie is the one that I've struggled with the most to where I I guess my most sacrilegious view of the, in this within this franchise is that I think I prefer the remake to the yeah. original because I actually watched the the remake and kind of like what you're saying with Freddy versus Jason is that like I like how slick the remake is. I like that they pack the first three movies into essentially like the first, I don't know, almost. And then you're just in like a Friday the 13th sequel with hot girls and like dudes getting fucked up and just (laughs) kill. And like Jason just murdering people. Plus that hunting sequence in the, in the, the remake where he like hangs the girl in the sleeping bag, like above the fire and is like using traps and shit. That's fucking awesome. (laughs) <laughs> like, like I, that's my if if your uh, wild card pick is Frey versus Jason, then mine's gonna have to be the remake because okay. I I really love the remake. Plus, I just really being a supernatural or I guess reformed supernatural fanboy, having Jared Padalecki in the movie, uh, you know, that made me happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, because I think that's also the same year that you had Jensen Ackles in My Bloody Valentine. They're real close together. Yeah, yeah. Another remake that I really like. Though I can't, I can't claim to preferring that one to the original Canadian one. Because that movie, have you ever, you've seen My Bloody Valentine, right? I've seen the remake. I haven't seen the original. Can oh, you believe man. it? Yeah. Oh, here we go. We'll get on your slasher education here. Like the original. That yeah, means- I'm expecting uh, uh, an email of this. <laughs> I want an education <laughs> on slashers. But that's that's the one that I would say seek out the quickest because like it was another movie that was neutered by the MPAA because it was so gnarly and the killer's fucking awesome and iconic and that that minor suit. And the characters are actually pretty cool. It's really Canadian, which I find endearing. Uh-huh. Um, like they're all drinking Molson and dropping their O's and shit. And I'm like, oh, I don't want these guys to die. Like they seem. That's great. See, that's another thing. Like I would love to just embrace the place that you shoot in. Like, like we did Critters in South Africa, and it's beautiful there. And and we had to make it look like generic USA. I was like, why can't we just <laughs> why can't we just lean into this natural production value? Like I love if you're shooting in Canada, like what if they're Canadian? What, what you know, why not? 
Well, let me ask you then, because I'm actually a huge Critters fan, and we can transition here out of Slashers for a moment. Critters. Yeah. Talk to me about Critters. Talk to me about why you, you wanted to make a Critters movie. Because I like your Critters movie a lot. Uh, but it's Can you spread the word, please? <laughs> <laughs> Can but you just made... signal boost that a little? <laughs> <laughs> but I like, I mean, it felt made by a guy who loves the Critters, or who at least kind of got what was appealing about that series was the fact that Sort of like you were saying about Jason in in six is that like the critters are fucking goofy and the movies yeah. are goofy, but when they're when they're scary, like the critters scared me more than gremlins. Like when I was a kid, I would check under my bed because of the fucking red eyes and the dark and the and the teeth coming at you, and like they didn't they weren't there to play games. They were there to eat your face off. Yeah, well, that's what I loved about also because I remember going into the rental store and seeing that it was like a cartoon cut up cut out of uh, of a critter it didn't look it doesn't look like the critter in the movie but you're led to believe like oh this is like a fun little and then the first one like it's scary and there's a lot of uh i think they're way scarier at night i wish the whole movie i could have done a whole movie at night because i just think they're just gnarlier (laughs) looking at night but yeah there's that they're they're scary and also goofballs. I think like our philosophy was they're scary until their stupidity gets in the way of something. Like like in uh two, like they they bite um an electrical cord and yeah. stuff. You know, and then and then it turns into the Muppets real quick. You know what I mean? But like up until they their stupidity gets in the way, um they're supposed to be scary. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know? they talk to each other. That was the other thing that I was I like know. titled talking. <laughs> uh, listen, there were some things that I could not, the powers that be would not, they, I don't know why they, they, um, I'll just say one camp, let's say their television <laughs> network did not want anything too funny. So, um, the subtitles was just a non-starter and we had two weeks to cut the movie. So I couldn't wow. even, I, cause I had read, I had that box set. I actually had that box set shipped to South Africa and I was like eating up all the behind the scenes stuff. Cause I was like, we don't have any time to figure anything out. We just need to know. And the, those behind the scenes with the Chiodo brothers were just like perfect. Cause they just tell you what they did. But, um, where the hell was I going with this? But, oh, yeah, the director of uh, the first Critters, I guess, snuck in subtitles because, um, is it Bob Shea at New yeah. Line? Didn't like subtitles. He was like, that's not fun. No, no, no. Did it in one screening. The audience fucking loved it. And then Bob Shea was like, put more subtitles in. So I was going to pull that same thing, but we had two weeks to cut the movie. So I was like, there's literally no time for shenanigans. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I had it so yeah. planned, you know. Um, but that's, that's also what kind of was interesting about the Critters movies uh, originally is that they came from New Line at a time when, like, you know, New Line was made. They they were known for Freddy. They were known for like the the weird low budget stuff, like Alone in the Dark and things, and like 
you know, you know, Bob Shea was looking at this and was like, I want, I want this to be, right. I want it to be dark and scary and blah, blah, blah. And that movie is goofy as shit. And then you have Mick yeah. Garrett come in and make two and that movie is just a riot. So that, like, that's probably my favorite. I mean, yeah. it's, it's so fun. The Critters Ball. That yeah. was, when you talk about like, you know, seeing the standee of the original Critter from the poster and how that made you want to watch it as a kid. The Critter's Ball from like the, the cover of two was the thing that was forever burned into my mind, like about that series to where I was just like, that looks fucking terrifying. If that rolls over, you can bet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also the critters are kind of cute. <laughs> yeah. It's that balance I love. I can't get enough, I tell you. So I'm just going to end with one last question since, as you even said, you're working on a horror comedy now. What do you think is the key to actually making a horror comedy? What do you think is like, what makes it cook? What makes a good one? Um, I th- I, and then I think we hit on it with this, the, the J- Jason movie we chose, because I think it is the jokes are funny and they're characters that you're care somewhat about. And I don't know if I, because I love Return of the Living Dead, and I'm blanking out. It's another Tommy, right? I think it's Tommy. It's the same one who plays uh, Tommy. Yeah. Mark. So I don't know if I have, like, baggage, like, good vibe baggage from that movie. But, like, instantly I, like, like him. I want to know what's going on. So I think there's, like, characters you care about. There's comedy that actually works. But the kills are still gruesome and the the guy is still you know or girl is still you know the killer is still horrifying and i think whenever it goes too far in the other direction you just have you can kind of lose it just gets wobbly i guess um that's my i don't know how i'll start articulate it but that's what i think it is yeah well at least you brought up the best horror comedy of all time with return of the living dead love that movie it's like there is another one that like you you sit there and you're laughing the entire time but when things get grim in that movie it's like real grim oh yeah (laughs) then they nuke the town (laughs) yeah (laughs) well hey man thanks so much for taking the time out and talking all this slasher nonsense with me uh i'm a big fan of yours i love following you on twitter um and gonna have to have you on again maybe you'll pick the topic next time and we'll just we'll go we'll go long on criterion movies next time we'll do like real real boring (laughs) esoteric melodramas where you'll be like yes instead of freddy versus jason i chose remains of the day (laughs) you know what honestly i've been watching a lot of black and white like 1930s and 40s comedies because I just it just makes me feel okay. Yeah. That's my that's the, I I watch I just fall asleep to them at night. That's my that's what I do. It's, it's whatever makes you feel. Cary Grant is getting it done for me right now. That's all I got. <laughs> I think he I think he's gotten it done for a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey Bobby, thanks man. Again, it was great. Thanks. Yeah, this is fun. Yeah. 
and good luck with everything. And uh, especially the kid. You yeah. Know, it's the biggest accomplishment of all. You actually brought life into the world. I know. It's. Uh, I recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> if this was Yelp, you know, pretty solid review. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to. Well, I'm going to ask you the question. This, it's a four. It's a four out of five. <laughs> it's a four out of five. What was the King of Critters movie? Like a 3.5? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> well, I also had um, terrible. There's a stomach flu in South Africa that I don't. That's terrible. That the locals get and they're fine. They're like, next day they're good. But it flatlined me and the editor for like weeks. And uh, so I would say that is the worst. Like trying to direct and feeling like you're losing consciousness is just terrible. And it was like we were going into nights. Is I I think I'll I'll take the craziness of new like the first two weeks of newborn over having explosive diarrhea <laughs> yeah 3 a.m napalm shits yeah <laughs> that guy would like come up to me he's like this'll this'll clog you up i'm like great just give me whatever pills you have i don't even care <laughs> just gotta get through this <laughs> all right <laughs> On that note, yeah, Bobby Miller. <laughs> Thanks again, man. Thank you. And take it easy. I will talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. Bye. Mm-hmm.